such that I can I can gain a satisfaction with myself. And all struggle is only for that purpose. But when this discernment comes, that it is not achieving something that is going to give me the fulfillment in life, but it is knowing something. That's how tadvijnanasam, it is for the knowledge of that, that he goes to the teacher. The idea is that what a person asks for depends upon the maturity of his mind. And Lord Krishna says, most people are not mature enough to recognize that they are seeking, what they are seeking is moksha. And most people think that by achieving one or the other things in the life, that they will gain success or fulfillment. Therefore, that is what they are asking for. And I give them what they are asking for. Also, because in the world of human beings, it is easy to gain gratification. Kaṅkṣantaha karmanam siddhim yajantaha that when a person experiences pleasurable objects, then he gains happiness. So person gains happiness, as we say, by the gratification of senses, or the gratification of emotions, or gratification of ego, and this gratification is easy to gain relatively. Not a great amount of effort is needed, just present to the senses, the objects are senses like, and you feel happy. Just give to the ego what the ego likes, and you feel gratification. Therefore, it is easy to gain the immediate gratification in this world of man. Easy, relatively easy. And that is why a human being goes after that. So a human being generally goes after that which produces an immediate or quick gratification. Not recognizing that this little gratifications cannot really quench his thirst. That his thirst is for limitlessness and never these little things cannot quench his thirst. But that thought does not occur to most people. And that's the reason why they go for all this gratification. They perform various actions. And here by actions we mean Vedic rituals. The Vedas, in, in the context of Vedic uh, times, this teaching is therefore, uh, the interpretation of this verse would be that Vedas prescribe many kinds of rituals for achieving many worldly and otherworldly ends. If you want cattle, perform this ritual. If you want fame, perform that ritual. If you want you know, health, perform other ritual. And those rituals usually are in the form of propitiating different devatas or different deities. Who are these devatas? These devatas are, or deities are nothing but really manifestation of Ishvara. So Ishvara looked upon from a given standpoint of a function is called devata. And so this different devata, you can look upon them also as uh, as different uh, functionaries appointed to perform certain functions and every, every devata or every deity has his jurisdiction. And if you propitiate that devata then he can bless you based on what his jurisdiction is. Thus if you want cattle, propitiate this devata. If you want wealth, propitiate that devata. If you want fame, propitiate this devata. If you want knowledge, you know, whatever. And that is how people proficiate different devatas. Different kinds of homas are being performed, you know. And because from different homas, we expect different kinds of results or gains. So this is what is meant by prapadyante or so yajantah iha devataha. And we find people worshipping different devatas. <coughs> what it means is that we find people seeking different ends, different achievements, different accomplishments. Whether you propitiate some devata in the heavens, or you propitiate some devata on the earth, doesn't matter. The idea is that people, all, people have to propitiate somebody, please somebody to get their favor to achieve what they want. 
I must, after all, I must please my boss and then only I can get a raise. I must please my potential employer then only I can get a job and whatever. So, usually human being is struggling hard to please somebody or the other so that he can gain their favor and so that his desire can be satisfied, he can gain the desired object or desired achievement. That's the process. Perhaps in the Vedic trance, people were more performing these various rituals and propitiating devatas. And these days we don't particularly, we are not oriented to perform different homas and propitiate devatas. We propitiate the worldly devatas. But propitiation is there. And by their grace or their favor, you achieve your desired end. And that seems to be an easy process. That is why Lord Krishna says that people go for that which gives them immediate gratification. Moksha is a very long-term gratification. Desire for moksha would require me to let go my temptations for every kind of gratification, really. That's called vairagya. So viveka gives rise to vairagya. Viveka means discrimination or discerning what it is that I really want. If I realize that what I want is eternal or permanent, then there will be a lack of interest in everything that is impermanent. If I realize that what I want is self, then there will be a disinterest in everything that is not the self. That's called vairagya. Then my path is very clear. So this viveka and vairagya show the emotional maturity. So only very few have that. Most people do not have that. And therefore, most people do not. And of course, also, pursuing such a goal as moksha, which is somewhat remote, it also means that you have to let go the gratifications coming from the little achievements in life. There comes a time when a person feels totally, uh, he, he feels deprived of both. Sometimes people complain, Swami, I mean, there is no fun in life. After coming to Vedanta, the fun seems to have gone. Before I came to Vedanta, there was no problem. I got angry, I got angry. I want to go to a movie, I went to a movie. No, everything was fine. Now after listening to Vedanta, oh, you, anger is no good for you. And movies meaning sense gratification, no good for you. It is, it is pleasure already, but binding pleasure. And so that bondage is no good. Therefore, Swami, you know, I cannot, I'm, I cannot take interest in movies and parties and this and that. So that is gone, that fun is gone. And the joy of the self is not coming yet, you know. That also is not there. So that is also not there, and this is also not there. That's a very difficult stage. And that may persist for quite some time also. Because, to gain the joy of one's own self, a certain amount of purification of mind is required. Really, there's only one source of happiness, which is self. And to the extent that my mind has become placid or clear or pure, to that extent, the joy of the self reflects in it and I experience it. And so this person who is a mumokshu or a seeker of moksha, now has to work hard for purification of his mind. So far it is easy to fulfill Ragadvesha is dif- easy, but to give up Ragadvesha is difficult. Fulfilling Ragadvesha is immediate gratification. Giving up Ragadvesha will give me gratification at a later time. And so immediate gratification, they say delay the gratification. Immediate gratification has to be let go in order that I achieve a long-term gratification. <coughs> that is a little difficult path. So Lord Krishna says, Yattadagre vishamiva pariname amrutopamam tatsukam satvikam proktam atmabuddhi prasadayam. Says so that happiness, which comes from the self, which is a lasting happiness, which happiness doesn't cost you anything. And therefore it is not binding happiness. It is happiness of your own self. That happiness, achievement of that, is little painful or bitter in the beginning. Yattadagre vishamiva, that which tastes like poison, meaning that which is bitter in the beginning, 
Pairanāme Amrutopan. But that which results into uh, Amruta or Ambrosia. So that which feels like poison at the beginning, but then turns to nectar at the end, is the is happiness coming from the self. On the other hand, the pleasure coming from the pleasurable objects is very sweet in the beginning, but turns out to be very bitter at the end. People go for sweet things. They go for immediate gratification. Even though it may cause bitterness at the end, most people cannot think and therefore, therefore Lord Krishna said most people do not ask for moksha. They ask for only little things in life, little pleasures, and that's what they get. <coughs> in short, don't blame me. I am not partial. This is all understanding God, understand. This is very important. Understanding of God is very important because He is the most important one in our life, whether we like whether we know it or not. We have to deal with Him every day and every moment. And therefore, whatever understanding of God is influences our life very much. How we react to situations. If we think that God is cruel, is, is unfair, is whatever, then our response to situations will be one. And if we have the Shraddha that no, He's always fair and He's benevolent, then even in the painful situations, our response will be of a different kind. Mainly, this God becomes useful when situation becomes painful, otherwise there's no big problem. When everything is going the way I want, God is not usually needed. That is why a saint, Kabir says, that everybody remembers God when they are, they are unhappy. If they remembered God when they were happy, unhappiness would not come. But everybody remembers Him when there is a problem, unhappiness, sorrow. Then that is why, but at that time, when there is painful situation, that time our understanding of God becomes very important. Because that's the only refuge we have. And if our understanding is that He is benevolent, then I will not lose heart, I will not lose my uh, patience, I will not lose courage, I will not lose hope. I'll be able to proceed, I'll be able to hold on, even under painful conditions or adverse conditions also, knowing that God is always with me, that He will never desert me, He's always with me. You know, whether it looks He's with me or not, like those, like the story of the footsteps in the sand, you know, very famous story, where this man says he was once dreaming and God appeared in his dream, and he was having a conversation with God. And he asked God, says, God, you promised me that you will always be with me whenever I need you. And I see that most of the times I see two pairs of footsteps on the sand. So I realize that the first pair is mine, yours is the second, so you are following me. But when I was in great difficulty, that is when I see only one pair of footsteps. Where were you? Where were you when I most needed you? And so the devotee is complaining. Then the answer is that, that is when I lifted you. So, if this, this is a matter of Shraddha. All, this is all a matter of trust or Shraddha. When, it's come, when it comes to Nirguna Brahma, meaning when it comes to Brahman with Satyam, Jnana, Manantam, there is no Shraddha. Then it's a matter of understanding. When Puja Swamiji says that God is not to be believed, He is to be understood. Which is that God? That is the God which is myself. That's the God that is substrate of everything. That is one without a second, which is beyond names and forms, which is my own self. That is to be understood. But when it comes to God, which is what was Saguna Brahma, God with attributes, then to to say that or to accept that he is benevolent, that is a matter of faith. And that is something to be discovered in our life. We, that has to be our own discovery also, that he is indeed benevolent. He is indeed kind. He is always my well-wisher. Because very often things happen in our life which shake up our trust, our faith. We wonder whether God, you know, is he what they claim him to be or what? And so, at that time, when situations are very tough, that is when the Shraddha or the trust is very, very important. <clears throat> that is why understanding God 
not only God as the, that is transcendental, but God that is the creator, sustainer, dissolver, the God that is ordainer, that also is to be understood well. And that's what Lord Krishna is explaining here. So when Lord Krishna says I, he also means that I, who is a karma faladata, the dispenser of the results of the action. Karma adhyaksha, the witness of all the actions, the ordainer of all the actions. So he is revealing that nature. Because that param nirguna brahma doesn't respond in any way. If you pray to him, nothing happens, you know. When Lord Krishna says that I bless them in the manner in which they pray to me, that is not nirguna brahma. That is saguna brahma. With nirguna brahma meaning that brahman beyond names and forms as myself, they cannot be divorced in the conventional sense. Devotion in terms of surrender, etc. and worship can be there with Saguna Brahma. And therefore we pray to him. We seek his grace. And Lord Krishna here said that I respond to them. I favor them. I bless them in the manner in which they seek my blessing. <coughs> and it is important also, this verse 12 told us that, we need to stay away from temptations because it may be easy to, to uh, satisfy our temptations, easy to satisfy our likes and dislikes, rather easy to gain the gratification on the level of senses, but that keeps me away from the true gratification. That keeps me away from the real goal in my life. And therefore, that viveka or discrimination is very important. As this verse told us, that most people desiring the results of the action propitiate these Dada Devatas and get the results and they seem to be satisfied with those gains and therefore they do not ask for moksha. <clears throat> but Lord, have you made some arrangement by which ultimately people will seek you? Have you set up something? Following which? Because earlier Lord Krishna said, here, Arjuna, in every way, all the human beings, they follow my path. So when would the human beings follow your path? What is the setup that is created to help the human beings follow that path? That's what Lord Krishna says in the 13th verse. Chatur Varnyam Maya Srishtam Gunakarma Vibhagashah Tasya Kartarama Pimam Vidya Kartarama Vyayam Chatur Varnyam Maya Srishtam the fourfold grouping of people was created by me. This four castes, Varana is translated as caste. This four castes, Brahmana, Kshatriya, Vaishya and Shudra, this four castes were created by me. Guna Karma Vibhagasya. How is the caste decided? Or what is the purpose of that? For the division of duties based on the disposition of the people. So Lord Krishna says that, I have created, every society consists of these four kinds of people having these four dispositions. These dispositions are called Brahmana, Kshatriya, Vaishya and Shudra. So there are some people who are predominant in what we call Sattva purity of mind. In the 18th chapter, Lord Krishna says, what is the nature of these people? Shamo, Damaha, Tapaha, Saucham, tranquility of mind, tranquility of sense organs, discipline of sense organs, austerity, purity, forgiveness, straightforwardness, knowledge, and the putting this knowledge into practice. So, Jnanam, Vijnanam, Astikyam, Shraddha, 
These are natural traits of a person enjoying predominance of sattva. So when the mind is predominance in sattva, then automatically these traits will be there. That person is called a brahmana. When sattva is not predominant, rajas is predominant, followed by sattva. Then he is called a kshatriya, shauryam, tejaha, dhrutihi, daksham, shauryam, valor, dhrutihi, shauryam, tejaha, tejaha is boldness, dhrutihi, fortitude, daksham, skill in action, yudde, chapyapalayanam, not turning his back from the battlefield, dhanam, generosity, ishvara bhavascha, also a natural ability to rule. These are the traits of what we call Kshatriya. So with the Kshatriya, one in whom the Rajoguna is predominant, means activity is there, followed by Sattva. The Kshatriya is the leader class. These are people who are skilled in action, but generally their actions will be not selfish actions, but then selfless actions. Therefore, they are the leaders of the society. As I said, their task is to protect dharma and protect the people. To follow dharma and also to make people perform, live a life of dharma. So they are kings and warriors. Where Rajoguna is predominant, followed by Tamoguna, that is called Vaishya. Krushi, Gauraksha, Vani, Jam, Agriculture, uh, Cattle Rearing, Trade, these are the natural traits of this third caste called Vaishya. And Paricharyatmakam Karma, Shudrasyapi Svahavajam, Shudra, the fourth one, in whom the Tamoguna is predominant, that he is most best suited for serving the rest of the society. Meaning serving with his hands and legs. Vaishya serves by using his talent of agriculture, of trading, of cattle rearing, of producing, of distributing. That's how a Vaishya contributes. A Kshatriya contributes to the functioning of society by providing leadership, by providing courage, strength, lordship, generosity, and a Brahmana serve the society by studying the scriptures and teaching others, by performing rituals and helping others to perform rituals. This is how all these four kinds of people make their own contribution to society. They participate in functioning of the society. And these four kinds of functions are needed to run any setup. A society will require these four kinds of functions. Require any setup requires, even home also requires a home, whether you call it home, you call it business, call it industry, call it anything. These four kinds of functions are always required. It is Swamiji in the home, I am, uh, there are only two of us, this four, then the, the two fellows perform the task of four. Or one also can perform the task of four sometimes. So you are the chief cook and bottle washer also. You may be everything. So you are accountant also, you are shopping person also. But basically you must be all these four. There must be knowledge and wisdom, there must be leadership, there must be accounting, and there must be physical work. So in the home you require somebody to do the dishes, and, and do the laundry, and do the vacuuming. That will be Shudra. So when you are calling me Shudra, well, I mean, you know, this is the physical labor usually. Sometimes the division of work is very clear at home also. Swami, she cooks and I do the dishes. So it's very clear, you know, who does what. So everybody does according to their capacities or talents. Some people are good at keeping accounts and whatever. Sometimes women are good, sometimes men are good. That has to be done. Somebody has to earn the money and, and you know, provide leadership. And then you need somebody to consult for different situations, you know, dealing with different situations in life. So, Brahmana, Kshatriya, Vaishya, Shudra, these four kinds of functions are there, actually. Understand that any setup requires these four kinds of functions to be performed. 
And Lord Krishna says, therefore, I have created four kinds of people, each one suited to perform a given function in the best manner, so that by doing what they are best suited to do, they will also make their best offering or contribution to society, and that way there will be a harmony in the society. When there is harmony, the society also prospers, and the individuals also prosper. And prosperity, and how are, as we said earlier also, how are all these people related to each other? They are related by the concept of duty. That everybody considers it is her or his duty to do what is assigned to them. So Vedas also would assign duties to people depending upon what their dispositions are. Therefore Lord Krishna says, Guna Karma Vibhagasya, where the division of duty is based on the disposition, is based on the capacities, based on the aptitudes, based on the talent. <coughs> this is the how this is how the caste system is organized. It is not that castes are created. Castes are there everywhere. In every human society these four kinds of people are always there. They think that India has invented caste system. It's not so. Everywhere this you go to any place, any organization you find Fellows are brahmanas who always sit in the air-conditioned office and was thinking and planning and designing. There are kshatriyas who do all the management work, all leadership. There are vaishyas who are accountants, salespeople, marketing. There are shudras who, who work on the floor shop. You need all these people. That doesn't mean one is superior to another one. That's not the point. The point is everybody is equal. Because all these four kinds of functions are required for a harmonious functioning. Like in our body also, all these four are present. There's a Brahma in our body. Our head is a Brahmana. There's a thinking and knowing faculty. All knowledge and thinking takes place in the head in place of Brahmana. The arms are in the place of Kshatriya. All work is done and protection also is done by the arms. The stomach is like a Vaishya which receives and, and assimilates and distributes. And the legs are in the place of Sudra, which carries the whole body. So which one is superior? If Brahmana is superior, then that, then that would be enough. If the body was provided with the number of heads, you know, we did not require legs and hands, we require all of them. So you cannot say that one limb is superior to other limb. We require all of them. And that is why, just by placement, because the head is placed on the top, and legs are placed at the bottom, doesn't mean that one is superior or inferior. All functions are equally important. And that is that being the case, that is why there is this harmony in our body. That's how in the society also, harmony can be there, when everybody willingly accepts the duty, and willingly does it. Then that becomes Karma Yoga. In the 18th chapter, Lord Krishna says, Sve Sve Karmanya Bhirataha Samsiddhim Labhate Naraha a person devotedly performing the duties assigned to them attain perfection. Thus everybody has the potential of attaining moksha. Everybody may not have the same potential of becoming wealthy or becoming a king, that may not be. Because their mind or disposition doesn't allow that. But by performing their duties, everybody can gain what we call antahagan shuddhi, purity of mind, in that way, everybody can become a Brahmana by disposition. So Swamiji says that even though a person may be Kshatriya or a Vaishya by caste, but by disposition, he can become a Brahmana. And so idea was, that's why as Lord Krishna said, all the people follow my path in every way. If they follow this Varanashrama Dharma, if they follow a Dharma characterized by Varana and Ashrama, the caste and stage of life, then that is most conducive for gaining purification of mind and that's how gaining requisite qualification for gaining the knowledge. <coughs> so Chaturvanyam, Mayasustam, Gunakarma, Vibhagasaha. So as you said, the main principle that binds the whole society is called dharma or duty. The dharma becomes the most important value. There are the so-called four purusharthas, dharma, artha, kama and moksha. And as long as artha and kama, meaning that 
comfort and pleasure as long as they are pursued on the basis of dharma, so long it's fine. So it is not that the Vedic society did not have prosperity. In fact, when dharma of the nature of this duties prevailed, at that time society was very prosperous. Because when you follow a life of dharma, artha and karma or comfort and pleasure follow. As I say, when you plant a when you plant a tree for mango fruit, then you get mango fruit also. At the same time, you also get the shade. In your shade also you get you get flowers, you get leaves, you get fruit. I mean, you know, f- flowers. That also you get by the way. So the main purpose of planting the tree was to get mangoes, but then on the side you also get this. And similarly also, if the main purpose is dharma, the artha kama, the comfort and pleasure automatically come. If this is how the value is, which is, you know, and if society lives with this value, there's no competition. And there's no comparison. And therefore everybody is dignified, every, every, every task is as dignified as any other one, and everybody can gain what they call job satisfaction. These days they say, not these days, any day, the most important thing in work ultimately is not even salary, but it is the job satisfaction. If a person doesn't, is not satisfied with what he or she is doing, then merely earning money is not enough. So this way, when a person performs a task which is compatible to his or her disposition and talents and capacities and aptitudes, then there is a satisfaction. Then, therefore there need not be equality, there is equality in one way, but not equality in another way. Equality in as much as each one gets to do what they are best suited to do, and therefore they can have equal job satisfaction. But equality is not in terms of what they do. The equality of men and women, for example, also, that if equality is men, that women should do exactly what men are doing, that is not necessary. You may as well do that, but it's not necessary. Because women may be best suited to do certain tasks, and men may be best suited to do some other task, and therefore, as long as you enjoy what you are doing, and you are not made to feel that one is superior and one is inferior, then there is always satisfaction from what you do. It is that satisfaction of doing which is most, uh, which is in fact, as I said, the best kind of happiness that you get. Happiness coming not from the outcome of the action, but happiness coming from the very performance of action is the best kind of happiness. That's called karma yoga. In this way, all the whole society functions on the basis of dharma or karma yoga. And that's how everybody proceeds on the path of their antahakan shuddhi or purification of mind and then develops viveka, vairagya, different qualifications and proceeds on the path of moksha. Even if moksha does not come in one lifetime, it's, a, as we say, it's an ongoing process. It's quite possible that a fellow Ishudra this year, this birth, may become Brahma in next birth, if he, if, if he gain that kind of disposition of mind. And therefore, people had no problem with this, because this idea of dharma or duty was clear. So this is about this caste system, you know, this is the principle of caste system. Chaturvarnyam, Maya system, Lord Krishna says, I have created this people for caste. Meaning that everywhere in the society we find these people, people having these four kinds of dispositions. Only that the Vedic society recognized this and they assigned these specific tasks. That is what they did. They organized the society. Guna karma vibhagasaha and the duties or tasks were assigned according to the dispositions, according to the capacities and talents of people. <coughs> So when Lord Krishna says, I created the world, having four castes, that means that he has created a world in which people are not equal, he has created a world or a world consisting of people where there are this disparity. One is a Brahmana, one is a Kshatriya, and that means you have created this variegated world. You have created people with different dispositions. That means that you are you are, you seem to have created differences. 
You seem to favor somebody, you seem to have been a little unfair to somebody else. It doesn't look like you're fair, because if you're fair, you would have created everybody equal. So this Hindu society has always recognized the differences existing in the creation. And they always organize an account for that. That on one hand, everybody is equal, in as much as everybody is Brahman. On the other hand, nobody is equal. In as much as everybody's personality is different. So we do respect the differences while recognizing the, the oneness also. That is what uh, the, the Vedic Dharma was. That on one hand, everybody is equal and as much as everybody is Brahman. But then people are unequal also in as much as they are born with different dispositions of mind. And what brings about a certain disposition is my disposition is the accumulated result of my past karma. And that's the reason why I am born with a certain disposition, even at time of birth. And that is why sometimes children in the same family also may be getting the same kind of treatment of parents. But still they have different nature because each one has their own history. Like in a garden, the gardener actually sows different kinds of seeds. Because seeds are different there, but the plants also are different. And they were recognizing these existing differences, then there was this organization of the duties also. <clears throat> so when Lord Krishna says, I created a world like this, where there are these diversities, where there is a diversity, there is a disparity, inequality. That means, Lord, you seem to be imp- you seem to be partial, you seem to be unfair. Because had you been fair, you would have created everybody equal. Is it not so? But we cannot say that Ishwara is unfair. He is fair. In as much as he gives rise to the fair result of the actions performed by different individuals. In as much as individuals perform different kinds of actions, therefore they get different kinds of results. That is the reason why they are different. Therefore, in creation of diversity, understand that it is not only Ishwara who is responsible, but we are also responsible. Ishwara is in place of an architect. Architect builds a house for me. But still, the very characteristics of the house is decided by me. I tell him what I want, accordingly decide. And so also, we tell Ishwara what kind of body I want. In the process of performing different actions, entertaining different desires, entertaining different intentions, in a way, I am putting a requisition. You know the word requisition? In the factories there is a store and then people want different things from the stores. You have to, you have to fill out a requisition form. In olden days, I don't know what it is now but then. And so, requ- so requisition. So also we requisition from Ishwara. I want this, I want this, I want this. And he said earlier, I give them what they want. So what we have is what we are wanting. In as much as everybody wants different things, therefore they are all different. Therefore, there is diversity. Creation means diversity. So understand that just because there is diversity does not mean the fairness is not. There is fairness. But still somebody can ask a question. You have created this world of diversity and disparity. And some people are happy, other people are unhappy. Some people are more privileged, other people are less privileged. And you have created this world. That means that you are responsible for the creation. You are responsible for the diversity, for the disparity. That means that you will pay for it. Because you created this world and you will be accountable for experiencing the result of the act of creation. In that case, you are a great samsari. We are all samsaris for doing small karma actions. He is a great samsari because he performed the action of creating the whole world. To that, Lord Krishna answers in the second line. Tasya kartara vimam vidhi. Yes, he has you know, me to be the creator of this world. No me to be the karta, the doer, the creator. That I have done everything. If you have done, then all right. Then we ask various, various questions to Ishwar. Why did you do this? Why did you do that? To that his answer is, Vidhi akartaram avyayam. 
know that I haven't done anything. So this one line, there is a contradictory statement. Tasya karta vidhi know me to be the karta or the doer or creator of the universe. Vidyakartaram avyam, but know me also simultaneously that I am a non-doer, in meaning that I haven't done anything. How can one person be doing something and still not doing something? Is it possible? Lord Krishna, I have done everything. And then says right away, I haven't done anything. When would that be? Have you ever seen such a thing? We can give an example. The other day also I said, like an actor performing on a stage, acting as a beggar. The actor is a very rich person, a multimillionaire, but is acting as a beggar. But he can say, I am begging. The act of begging is done by me. Which is true, because we see him doing that. He can say simultaneously that I do not beg. Which is also true from his standpoint. So from the standpoint of onlookers, he is begging. From his own standpoint, he is not begging. Because he recognizes even while he is performing the act of begging, there is an awareness that I am a rich man. And therefore, there is no beggarliness in him at all. This, this statement, which appears to be contradictory, in fact, presents two def- separate standpoints. So standpoint of Vyavahara, from the standpoint of the worldly life, you can say that God is doing everything. But if you ask him, why did you do this? And what did you do? He said, I didn't do anything. When you see in the presence of magnet, when you see iron filings moving, attracted towards a magnet, then who is responsible for this little iron filings or pieces moving towards magnet? Magnet is responsible. You can say that magnet is attracting them all. You ask Magnet, hey, why do you do this? So I don't do anything. I'm just here, that's all. In my presence, these things happen. You put your hand in the fire, you can say, fire burned my hand. That is true. Ask fire, why did you burn his hand? I didn't do that. I just am. So, understand again, the, this is clarification of concept of God, very important. That from one standpoint, he does everything. From his own standpoint, he does not do anything. Everything gets done in his presence. We should know both. He does everything, that also is important to know. So that I don't have the ego that I am doing things. Lord Krishna shows this to Arjuna, how he, he does everything. In the 11th chapter, when he shows his cosmic form, Arjuna sees how he presents himself as the, as the, as the principle of death and how both the armies are walking into his, his, his mouth, into his jaws, and he's quietly, you know, he's masticating them, enjoying them, and shows to Arjuna that, look, I have already done this task. Both the armies are already destroyed by me. I am doing everything. So that Arjuna would not have this notion that I am the doer. We said that these are the two problems Arjuna had. One is the notion that I am the doer, I'll be their killer, and therefore I'll be a sinner. Second is, what will happen without them, that they will all die. What will happen? So Lord Krishna says, they do not die, nor you do anything. This is from the absolute, absolute reality. <clears throat> so from the relative standpoint, Ishwara does everything, from the absolute standpoint, he does not do anything. So while appearing to do everything, in reality, he does not do anything. <coughs> Which is what is said in the 14th verse, that is clarified there. Namam karmani limpante Name karma phales pruha Itimam yo bhijanati Karma bhirna sabadhyade Namam karma ilimpanti 
The actions do not taint me. Limpante, they do not stick to me, they do not taint me. Just as a lotus petal is not tainted by, not affected by the water, even though the lotus is in water, and still the lotus petal is not wetted by water at all. So just as lotus says that the water does not affect me at all. And so also Lord Krishna says that all the actions performed by me, that I am the creator, I am the sustainer, I am the dissolver. A huge actions are being performed, but they do not taint me or affect me in any way. Why is it so? Because I do not have the sense of doership. I do not have the ahankara, the notion that I am doing things. So when does the karma or action become binding? When does it bind me? When does it require that I, I become responsible for experiencing the result of the action? When is so? When action is binding, when I have the notion, I am performing the action, while performing action, if I have the notion that I am doing it, then that action becomes binding to me. But Swami, you are doing it, why are you talking, you know, you are doing it. Well, maybe it's a matter of one's notion as to what I am doing. Depends on what my understanding of I is. It depends on what my understanding of I, who am I? Depends on that understanding. Because in the fifth chapter, Lord Krishna will say, describing a wise person, who says that, I do not do anything. Even while seeing, hearing, talking, eating, drinking, walking, sleeping, breathing, doing all normal things. So wise person also appears to do all the normal things that everybody does. Whereas an ordinary person says, I am speaking, I ate, and I am eating, I am walking, I am doing things. The wise person says, I do not do anything. Meaning that, and that will be discussed here in the fourth chapter also, the ignorant person has a perception about the self, and the wise person has a different perception about the same self. So of course, Lord Krishna is talking from that standpoint, he has a perception. By one perception, I appear to be doing it like, like an actor. He is doing everything and still not doing. Therefore, the actor can say, this act of begging does not in any way taint me. Because as a beggar on the stage, he may be weeping, he may be crying, he may be subject to insults of the people. How would he feel? Can you imagine this, this multi-millionaire person? People are insulting him. Somebody spits at him, somebody kicks him, whatever, he is insulted because he's a beggar, he's helpless, he's defenseless, so he can be abused. And therefore, we find that beggar being abused. He says, all this does not taint me at all. These abuses do not reach me at all. If the abuses reached him, then that would be a big problem. If that beggar on the stage really felt that I was insulted, as it once happened also to this man whose role it was to act as a beggar. As a beggar, he was supposed to accept the insults as they are. People do that. As they say, when you are defenseless, then you are subject to abuse. And as a beggar, as homeless people, yes. So he's acting as a beggar. And people go about and say things, make remarks. At one point this fellow got so upset, he got up and gave a slap to this fellow who is passerby, making a remark. The curtains came down, the director came out, he said, what did you do? Why did you give him a slap? So why did he insult me? Hey, wait a minute, he is that, that was his role. And your role was that you were supposed to swallow the insult because you are a beggar. What happened is, at that time, that he ceased to be an actor, he became the beggar. Moment he, this notion, I'm a beggar, when it comes, then that insult affects him, that it taints him. So how the action being performed would affect me, 
when I have the notion that I am performing the action, as long as the actor knows that I am the actor and not a beggar, so long whatever treatment is matter out of the beggar doesn't affect him at all, it's, nothing affects me. So also Lord Krishna says, Namam Karmani Dimapandi. The actions of creation, sustenance, everything that is done, they do not taint me at all. They do not affect me because I do not have the notion of doership. Swami at one point says, you know, that if Ishwara also had the notion that I created, if God also thought I created this, he would be miserable. He would be in tremendous stress. Looking at the world, what have I created? Like parents of stresses, you know, looking at their own children, what have I done, you know? <laughs> What did we do? And so, so when God also looks at this creation and sees all these creatures doing whatever they are doing, he will feel miserable. Thank God that he does not have the notion of doership. Then alone he can remain free. Then he can afford to have his sleep. Yoga Nidra, as we said, as God, as, as Lord Vishnu, who is the preserver of this universe, is, in, is enjoying his Yoga Nidra. The whole universe is functioning because there is no sense of doership. Namam karmaayalimpanti name karmafaleshpaha And karmafala also binds a person. The karma, the action binds a person when there is no sense of doership. And karmafala, the result of action also binds us. When we have the notion of enjoyership or bhogtratvam. So while performing action, if there is notion of kartrutvam or sense of doership, then action becomes binding. While responding to the result of the action, if there is notion of bhoktrutvam and enjoyership, then the results also bind me. As it binds an ordinary person. Swami worked hard. I worked so hard and see what's the result. I still did not pass. I failed. I did not succeed. I did not get the job. I did not promote. Whatever. I feel frustrated when my action performed by me does not produce the desired results, then I feel frustrated. Sometimes I feel angry. Swami, these fellows are like this. So I, if I blame somebody else for my failure, then I am angry at them. If I blame myself for my failure, then I am frustrated with myself. I am like that, Swami. This is called bondage. Meaning, whenever I react to the outcome of an action, then I would say that the action has really affected me. That's called binding. Action, result has affected me. Because result is judged by me as success or failure. Lord Krishna says, Name karma phaleshpaha. I do not have any attachment or longing with reference to karma phala or result of the action. Meaning that having created the universe, whatever the universe is and whatever is happening does not affect me in any way. Because I have no agenda at all. What is meant by attachment to karma phala or attachment to result of action is whenever an action is performed with a certain personal agenda in mind. Whenever an action is performed with a certain personal agenda for gratification of my ego or senses, or some gratification, some personal agenda, then the result will be judged by me as either success or failure. If I get the requisite gratification, I am successful. Don't get it, I am a failure. This happens to a person who has the sense of bhoktratva or enjoyership. Lord Krishna says, I don't have enjoyership. Why? I don't need to enjoy anything. Why? Because I am enjoying myself. It is this poor sugar, you know sugar? Sugar is sweet by nature. But somehow a notion has arisen in sugar that I am bitter. Suppose. Suppose sugar feels that I am bitter. So that can never happen. Suppose it happens. Then sugar is all out looking for sweetness. It wants to, you know, taste all kinds of sweets and everything else and wants to feel sweet. Not recognizing that sweetness is its own nature. So when sugar comes to know that I am sweet, then where is the question of my desiring to be sweet? Lord is complete, is whole, therefore is apta kamaha. 
He is full, totally fulfilled in his nature. Therefore, he has nothing to fulfill. He has no expectation, no need. Therefore, an action is not performed to fulfill a need. It is performed with an expression of himself. So therefore, the act of creation, sustenance, dissolution are not with an agenda. They are merely expression of what he is. It is his fullness. That alone is manifest as his creation, sustains whatever is happening. That's what it is, that is what Upanishad explains. Anandadhyavakalvimani bhutani jayante, anandena jatani jivanti, anandam prayanti, abhisamvishanti. From ananda of the fullness, all the beings have emerged. In ananda alone, they have their appearance. Unto ananda alone, they go back. Meaning that all of this is nothing but the manifestation of ananda or wholeness. And therefore, as far as even a wise person is concerned, that's what Lord Krishna says, Itimam yobhijanati karma vir nasabadhyate. One who knows me in this manner, that person also does not become bound by action. He also becomes liberated. So reason why Lord Krishna is unfolding his nature is because when we know him truly, then we truly know ourselves also. <coughs> because as subsequently explained, will be explained, that the self also is free from the notions of doership and enjoyership. There is no doership in the self, there is no enjoyership also in the self, in Atma. So knowing Lord as free from Kartrutva and Bhoktrutva, doership and enjoyership, I also become liberated because there is my nature also. So knowing Lord Krishna is knowing myself. As we say, he is talking as my own self. Itima yobhijanati. Whoever knows me in this manner, karma bhi sahana that person also is not bound by karma or karma phala. Because he knows himself as free from kartrutva and bhaktrutva. <coughs> so this is this rahasyam, the secret of what all is happening in the universe. <laughs> With this, he, you cannot blame him at all. He says, hey, you did this? He says, yeah. Why did you do this? I didn't do it. And therefore, this, as we say, the universe is not with any agenda. Why did God create the universe? No agenda. It is not that you do something always for an agenda. That's how you, see, whenever something is done, the question is, why? So why is this creation? It's a common question. But sometimes somebody does something not for any agenda at all. Particularly when you're happy, you do certain things not because you want to accomplish anything, but what you do is an expression of your happiness. You do various things out of love also. Just do it. Not that you expect to achieve anything because there is a very fulfillment in doing. See, when a person does something out of love or happiness, the very doing itself is fulfillment. And so also in creation is like this. It is the expression of the wholeness or completeness of Ishvara. Therefore, there is no purpose behind it. He doesn't have a purpose. If you want to see a purpose, we can say that the purpose is to provide an appropriate field for all the living beings to fulfill their desires, to exhaust their desires and to play and, and to do what they need to do in their life. So that way we can say that the purpose of creation is solely for fulfilling the needs of living beings. But when it comes to Ishvara, he has no purpose of his own. For as far as he is concerned, the creation is an expression of his wholeness, his completeness, which doesn't require any effort. It just gets spontaneously done. If, as I said, in love or happiness, things happen spontaneously also, that you don't have to make an effort, it just happens. So Lord Krishna says that, when all the actions are being performed, I don't perform them, they just get performed. Since I have no agenda, therefore, I am not looking for any outcome also. Everything is perfect as it is. And therefore, neither the action nor the results bind me. And one, the wise person who knows me as such, also becomes free from the becomes free from bondage. He also becomes liberated. <coughs> okay. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamidam
पूर्णस्य पूर्णमादाय पूर्णमेवशिष्य शंकराचार्य केशव बादरायण सूत्रभाष्यत वंदे भगवतौनपुनशरो गुरुरात्मे मूर्ति भेद विभागिने व्योम व्याप्तहाय दक्षिणामूर्त नम ओ शातिशातिशा हरि ओ श्री गुरुभ्यो 